0: Alright, welcome to the show everybody. This is one guy with a mic, dingers and dunks, and uh, it's Football Fridays, but uh, first off, anybody that downloaded this week's episode already, yeah, and got dead air, that's my bad. (laughs) I apparently was so out of it when I recorded that I didn't realize I really wasn't recording, but it did 38 minutes of dead air. Because the mic wasn't plugged in or something. I don't know. But anyways, uh, so this is getting re-recorded, re-released. Call it the remix version, apparently. Um, But hey, if I've been doing this for almost two years now, and that's the first time I screwed up on a podcast, uh, I say I'm doing pretty well then. So that's good. Just a rookie mistake, apparently. Anyways, uh, this week's topic is going to be the 1984 Tigers. The Detroit Tigers. Probably one of the most underrated World Series champions that we've had, in my lifetime anyways, and most in, uh, quite possibly, in, uh, ever. I mean, they, so, we'll get a little deep into that, just discuss some players and stuff. As always, it's Football Friday on a Saturday night, and uh, we've already had Saturday games. Ohio State beat Penn State. Alabama held on to beat Tennessee. Florida State came back and beat Duke. Utah beat USC. Uh, UNLV running Rebels went became bowl eligible after a win with Colorado State tonight. Then you had Ole Miss, Auburn, and Ole Miss telling them to win there. Then wasn't the only upset that really was was Iowa lost to Minnesota, twelve to ten, real barn burner. Let me tell you. So uh, that's about it. Uh, Nebraska beat Northwestern and. Fun fact for you guys, all you Nebraska fans that might listen to this podcast Nebraska actually has an inside chance of making the Big Ten championship game. Hear me out. There's five games left in the season. They're four and three. They play Iowa, Wisconsin. Both teams are currently ahead of them in the standings. Minnesota still has to play Wisconsin as well, who's also ahead of Nebraska in the standings and holds the tiebreaker. So, therefore. Or no, tied, because Nebraska's only got two. Yeah. So, anyways, they're all right there, jumbled together, and I. So if Nebraska wins out and Wisconsin beats Minnesota, in the last game of the year, Nebraska is your Big Ten West champion. Say it with me, folks. Who would have thought that? All right. Now, there's a little rundown of that. We'll get to the NFL Sunday picks coming up uh, at the end of the at the end of the broadcast. Um, so let's uh let's have a little fun baseball fact now, shall we? Uh did you all know that the since nineteen eighty one, the Los Angeles Dodgers have won three World Series. Two of those World Series were in shortened seasons. The eighty one strike and the twenty twenty COVID year. And I looked, in nineteen ninety four they might of could have won a championship that year if the would've lined up rightly, you know, correctly. But that Montreal Expos team, as I've stated before in a podcast, was just dynamite. So, yes. Also, fun fact, uh, if you hate the Wave at sporting events, you can blame the Detroit Tigers in 1984 for making it mainstream, uh, because that was one of the things that happened at Michigan uh, Stadium for when the Michigan Wolverines played in 83. Tigers started getting hot in 84, and they brought the Wave to Tiger Stadium, and then it caught on when people were watching the postseason and the Tigers play in the ALCS and also in the World Series. So, we can blame these guys. Um, also, uh, the this 1984 Tigers team is one of only three teams ever, 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 to start the season in first place and finish the season in first place without... relinquishing it at all. They spent 153 days in first place. That's games played. All right. They never once were out of first place. They had a 15 and a half game lead towards the end of the season. They did play a 19 inning game on April 27th of 1984, and they didn't have their 10th loss of the year until June 2nd, a full two months into the season. Jack Morris threw a no-hitter in the fourth game of that year in 1984. They had 40 comeback wins. That means that they were trailing seven eight, at the seventh inning or later. They had seven walk-off wins, and they had 24 blown leads. So just think if they would have went 12 and 12 in those blown leads, they would have won 116 games which would rank them right in wins with the Yankees and also the 08 Cubs as the most wins in a season so how did we get this far well their offense was had catcher you had Lance Lance Parrish first base was Dave Bregman second base was sweet Lou Whitaker at shortstop, you had Alan Trammell. Third base was a monk, was a hodgepodge of players. But the guy that got most of the playing time for the year was Howard Hojo Johnson. Y'all may remember from his Mets years, because I certainly didn't know he played for the Detroit Tigers in 1984, and he was in, came up in the Tigers organization. So that was something I knew. And he confirmed that on Twitter for me, or X, however you want to call it. Out in left field, you had Larry Hernan. In center field, you had Chet Lemon. Out in right field, you had Kirk Gibson. Yes, that Kirk Gibson for all you young sports fans out there. He played right for for the Detroit Tigers in 84. That was four years before he decided to hit a walk-off against Dennis Eckersley for the Dodgers. I think that was 88. Maybe it was 89. No, it was 88 because 89 was the San Francisco-Oakland A's World Series because that was the Earthquake Series. And then at DH, you had Daryl Evans, who, fun fact here, uh, was the coach of one of my co-workers' baseball teams. Uh, Brett Flowers, he has a baseballreference.com page. And as always, you all know where I get my stats from, baseballreference.com. StatHead.com is the main website that gives you the baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. Um, Again, I'm not sponsored. I'm not an ambassador. I just use them like their website. However, if somebody knows somebody over there uh, that listens to this podcast, please, let's Work something out, so maybe y'all can get a discount or something. I don't know, it's like sixteen ninety nine a month. Maybe we can save you like a buck or two. Uh off their bench they had uh Barbero, uh Garby, they had Tom Brockins, Rupert Jones, Johnny Grubb, Rusty Rusty Koontz, and that's K U N T Z. I'll let you uh pronounce that how you want to, but it's Rusty Kuntz. Okay. Uh, Marty Castillo. And then in the pitching staff, they had Jack Morris as their ace. Dan Petrie as their second starter. Um, Milt Wilcoy as their third. Juan Baringu, Ber- I can't even pronounce that. Juan B as their fourth. Dave Rosima as their fifth. Their bullpen closer was Willie Hernandez. Ario Lopez was the setup guy. And Doug Bear was the other guy that I saw the most. Uh, Innings pitched out of the bullpen. uh So, where did this team rate on offensively in '84? Well, they were first in runs with 829. They were fourth in batting average with 271. First in on-base percentage at 342 second in slugging percentage at 432 second in OPS and seven at 774. They were first in dingers with 187. Sixth in stolen bases with the 106. Their pitching staff was first in wins with 104. They were first in ERA with a 3.49. They were 10th in uh, complete games with 19. They were first in saves with 51. And they were fourth in Ks in 914. That's how that offensive was a complete juggernaut in 1984. That's how that worked out. Uh, let's see. So this team won the AL East. They also went on to the ALCS where they played the Kansas city Royals and won three Oh, Kirk Gibson, winning, winning the ALCS MVP. Then they would go on to beat the San Diego Padres in the world series, four games to one where Alan Trammell would win the world series MVP as well. Uh, that San Diego team would actually take, would have to take the Chicago Cubs five games in order to win that one. And then Leon Durham booted the ball between his legs two years before Buckner did it in the World Series for the Red Sox. But we digress as Cubs fans and just keep hammering home, what can I say? Sparky Anderson won AL Manager of the Year. Kirk Gibson, like I said, was ALCS MVP. He was sixth in MVP voting, third in triples that year, fourth in hit-by-pitches sixth in slugging percentage eighth in stolen bases with 29 and uh he uh was somewhere in OBS as well he was on the OPS leader bowl as well uh then you had Chet Lemon he was he was an AL leader for fielding percentage by a center fielder he with a 995 uh he was an all-star he was number seven in AL in the AL in intentional walks, number eight in doubles, and number eight in hit-by-pitches. You have Lance Parrish. He was an all-star catcher. He was a Silver Slugger Award winner, Gold Glove Award winner, AL leader in double plays by a catcher that year, 16th in AL MVP voting, number three in AL with home, in home runs with 33. He was actually number one in home runs per at bat, so every 17 and a half at bats he hit a home run. And he was number seven in uh, strikeouts at 120. You had Alan Trammell, who ended up winning April Player of the Year that year. Yeah, he was an all-star. He was the 1984 World Series MVP, Gold Glove winner that year, ninth in AL MVP award, award, the award voting, number five in batting average that year with a 314, number eight with an on-base percentage of 382, and he was number eight in doubles with 34. Yeah, Lou Whitaker up the middle as well playing second base. He was an AL Gold Glove winner, AL Silver Slugger Award winner, AL All-Star Game. All right, that's how you get there. They were tight up the middle, folks. If you look at that right there, their catcher, their shortstop, their second baseman, and their center fielder all led the league in something. They were tight up the middle, and that's how you do it in baseball. All right. Then if you want to talk about your pitching staff, well, no better nowhere else to go than Jack Morris. He was an all-star. He won the AL Babe Ruth award. Didn't even know that was an award till just now. Didn't even look into what it was. Should have, but didn't. Finished seventh in Cy Young award voting. He had 14 wild pitches. He was number two in the AL in wins, number four in the LA and the AL for games started with 35. He was number ninth in Number nine in the AL and winning percentage at six thirty three, he was number nine in K's with hundred and forty eight. He was number nine in walks. He was April player of the month. the year, The month he threw his no no no. Now this is the craziest thing ever because I I'm not even for sure if Mo Marano, Mariano Rivera pulled this off, but here it is Willie Hernandez, their closer, the man that came in and shut things down, and it wasn't just the ninth inning, boys and girls. Oh no! He would come in and close things down starting in the seventh. Some games, seventh, eighth, and ninth. That was Willie. It was Willie time. All right, this dude was lights out. And what did this man do? Oh yeah, he was an All-Star reserve pitcher. He was the AL Cy Young Award winner. He was the new Sporting News Pitcher of the Year Award winner. He was the AL MVP as well. Cy Young and MVP. The dude's a closer. All right. He was the AL leaders in ga- in games pitched at 80. He f- and he finished 68 games that he pitched in, and he was number three in saves that year with 32. You want to know what else this man did? Here is his stat line from 1984: was a 1.92 ERA. He had a 9-3 record. Right. Going on with his 32 saves. He had 140.1 innings pitched. He only gave up 96 hits. He had, only gave up 30 runs. He only gave up 6 home runs that year. He walked 36 batters is all he walked. 8 of those were intentional. He struck out 112. Alright. Uh, Let's see. Dude was... His whip was .941. Yeah. His strikeouts to walk ratio was 3.11. Just saying. Jack Morris Sr. that year. His stat line. I know we got into a little bit, right? He had a 3.60 ERA. He had 35 starts. He had nine complete games. He threw one shutout, which was that no-no. He pitched in 240 innings. Like, um, he had a 1.282 whip. All right? His strikeout-to-walk ratio was 1.70. Right then you got Lance Parrish, the man, the myth, the legend right there. Like I said, he was the man offensively, right? So he had 75 runs scored, right? He had 137 hits. He had 16 doubles, 33 dingers. He had two triples. So he had a, he contributed 59 extra base hits. He had 98 RBIs. He had two stolen bases, caught three times. He walked 41 times. His batting average is only 237. So everybody complains about batting averages now, but even then, back then, it wasn't, like, fantastic. I mean, dude hit 237, crying out loud. All right? He had a four. He had a, or, yeah, he had 237, 287 on-base percentage, and a 443 slugging percentage. Like, he had six sack flies. Alan Trammell, other guy, right? Here's the other guy that, that was on the team. What did he do? Oh, yeah, 85 runs scored, 174 hits. He had 34 doubles, 5 triples, and 14 home runs. He had 69 RBIs, and that was batting in the six hole. Okay? Then uh, he had a 314 batting average, a 382 on-base percentage, and a 468 slugging percentage. All right? He only granted into 8 total double plays that year. Sweet Lou Whitaker. What did he do for you? Uh, well, he only d- has scored 90 times that year. He had 161 hits. He uh, had 25 doubles, 1 triple, 13 home runs, 56 RBIs. He had 6 stolen bases. He batted 289, had a .357 on-base percentage, and a .407 slugging percentage. He only grounded, grounded in the 9 double plays. Then, you got Kirk Gibson, right? The man, the myth, the legend. So in 84, right, here it is, 1984, what did he do? Oh, yeah, he had 92 runs, 150 hits, 23 doubles, 10 triples, 27 dingers, so he had 60 extra base hits, 91 RBIs, 29 stolen bases. The dude was part of the 2020 club and almost made the 30-30 club. Walked 63 times, struck out 103, had a 282 average, a 363 on on-base percentage, and a .516 slugging percentage. The man was legit that year. This team was just stacked from top to bottom. I mean, even if you go with Daryl Evans, 37-year-old DH, right? Uh, he scored 60 times, he had 93 hits, 11 doubles, 1 triple, 16 dingers, 63 RBIs, 2 stolen bases, he batted two thirty two. Uh, he had 353 on base percentage and a 384 slugging percentage, right? Then you look at uh, Howard Johnson, third year in the league, 23 year old guy, kid, only guy on the only kid on the team, right? What did he do that year? Oh yeah, he had 43 runs scored, 88 hits, 14 doubles, one triple, 12 dingers, 50 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. He batted 248, had a 324 on on-base percentage, and a 394 slugging percentage. That's what I'm saying. And he was the weak link of the team. Howard Johnson, Sparky Anderson, considered to be the weak link of the team. And I don't see how that's possible. I mean, the guy was still – it's not like uh, anybody was blowing him out of the water, you know. Dave Bregman at first base, uh, he had 42 runs scored, 74 hits, 8 doubles – Five triples, seven dingers, forty-four RBIs. Like their RBI, they had two guys over ninety, and that was Gibson and Parrish. They had one guy that was seventy, that had seventy-six RBIs, and Chet Lemon. Um, and then nobody else had over seventy, had over seventy RBIs. Crazy. Off the bench, you had another. You had uh, Garby, who had fifty-two ribbies. Bro- uh, Brookins, Tom Brookins, had twenty-six. Rupert Jones had 37, Rusty Coons had 25, Johnny Grubb had 36. Like those guys, all play, had at bats at least. You know, and then you had Marty Castillo who played a majority of the World Series, and he had four dingers and 17 ribbies during the during the season. Like again, underrated for because they just produced. um, Aurelio, Aurelio Lopez for your setup guy was 10 and one uh with a 2.94 era uh yeah just and then you had doug bear the other guy that had the most games coming out of the pen he i mean he had a he was a five and three record with a 3.75 era like your highest guy with the era only appeared in 13 games and he was actually one of your spot starters all right and he went three and four and that was glenn abbott three and four and he had a 5.93 era this team was just very on point, is what I'm getting at. And for them to, and and, and I'm not the only one that has done the research and figured this out as, out as well of how great this team is. You can also go to Bleacher Report, who just about a week ago did their top 50 teams all time, and the 84 Tigers were ranked 9th all time. They have the 19th most wins by a World Series champion ever, and they were the 5th most wins since 1982, only the Mets, Yankees, only the 86 Mets, the 98 Yankees, the 2018 Red Sox, and the 2022 Astros had more than 104 wins and won the World Series. So I would definitely put this Detroit Tigers team up against anybody. And and you also got to remember, Jack Morris was just a gamer. Like, he won a World Series with the Tigers in eighty-four the twins in 91, the blue jays in 92 and the blue jays in 93. He won four world series. Three of those were back to back to back. I mean, he didn't pitch in the 93 season, but you know, well, he didn't pitch in the playoffs in the 93 season. So, but yeah. I mean, and then he did what he did with the twins in 91, like holy crap. So, that's I I don't I don't have any more words to say. I guess you guys can go to BraceForAllReference.com, look at the 1984 Detroit Tigers, look at the same thing that I found out. Compare, Go ahead and, and take care of it yourself. Compare the 84 Tigers to any other team besides the four that I just mentioned that had more wins than them. Like This team could probably be, be the World Series champions this year. I mean, they'd probably have to run a little bit more. Probably be able to hit a few more home runs. But their pitching staff was pretty damn decent that's for sure so that's what i got that's what we got going on right there it's fun times this episode is definitely not making 38 minutes like the one you'll listen to that was blank hmm. imagine that all right so it's football fridays well football saturday football sunday i don't know wherever you want to take it hey here are the picks for this weekend okay nfl style all right we already know the jaguars beat the saints so, there was that, right? So, what's your best two NFL matchups? Well, at the Newton game, you got the Lions and Ravens. At the 7 o'clock game, you got the Dolphins-Eagles. So, pretty good pretty, great, pretty good day to have good, some good football. No 8.30 games this week uh, because the London games are over and they go to Germany next. Uh, let's see. The rest, you got the Browns, Colts, Falcons, Buccaneers. Falcons Buccaneers that will be the for the NFC South champ or um leader of the NFC South whoever wins that game will be the leader of the NFC South most likely the Buccaneers uh then you got the Steelers Rams Steelers coming off a bye Rams playing at home looking pretty nice they're just pulled Daryl Henderson off the streets to put him as a running back and then Monday night football is uh, the Niners up at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Minnesota Vikings so, we didn't drop an episode last week, but how did we do on our ESPN league? Well, we went 10-5 and five last week. That included the Thursday and Monday night game. Alright, in week 5 we went 6-8, and eight, so we are 53-41 and 41 overall. So, week 6 picks. We're going to go with the Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, Raiders over the Chicago Bears. We're taking Cleveland over Indy, Buffalo over New England, Washington over the Giants, Tampa Bay over Atlanta. We're going with Detroit on the road against Baltimore. A little get-back game because a couple years ago, Justin Tucker hit a 66-yard field goal that won Baltimore the game and denied Dan Campbell his first victory ever. Uh, We're going to go Pittsburgh versus L.A., the L.A. Rams. Pittsburgh's second time out at SoFi Stadium. And the Rams are going to pull out the victory there. Then you got Arizona versus Seattle. Kyler Murray is not your quarterback yet. James Conner still hurt, so we're going Seattle Seahawks. Then you got Green Bay versus Denver. This has been a toss-up for me, and this is, I've been going back and forth on this all day long. Do I get sh- – or all week long. Do I go, go with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson at home? Or do I go Green Bay off a of bye with Jordan Love and A.J. A- a- Dillon, right? So I think, uh, I think we're going Green Bay. Green Bay over the Broncos, all right? Then we got uh, the Chargers versus Chiefs at 3- 325. Chiefs, obviously. As I said, Sunday Night Football is Miami versus Philly. Miami's defense may be a little suspect, but their offense is not. Their offense is legit. It's like track stars out there between Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Tua, and whoever you want to throw in the backfield, either uh, Mossert, Jeff Wilson, who just came off IR. Any, Slavin uh, Ahmed, anybody back there in that backfield is just getting yards with that offensive line right now. And then on Monday night, you got San Francisco versus Minnesota. Minnesota is going to lose another heartbreaker at home in prime time because Kirk Cousins, you're still your quarterback, and you have a crappy defense, Vikings. So, therefore, San Francisco 49ers with the win. Put it in the books. Week 7. And the NFL is this week. So now what's been going on in my life? Well, we got into, we're doing some streaming. That's a lot of fun. So we're on Twitch boys and girls. Uh, we just hit 56 followers on Twitch. So we just, and we've streamed the number of times that needed to be for the month. We've also streamed the number of hours needed for the month. Now we just need the viewership. So I need three of you folks to go to Twitch right now and go find one guy with a mic on there. Hit that follow button. Okay. Then I need you to turn your notifications on, just like you do with the podcast, just like do, just like you do with the, um, with everything else I ask you to do. You gotta ring that bell so you get a notification of when I go live, right? Instead of uh, when you when I drop a podcast, it's when I go live. All right, so I need you to do that for me. Then I need you to tune in because guess what? We're playing Madden Thursdays where we bust out Madden 24. We got COD Tuesdays, was Call of Duty on Tuesdays. And then on Wednesdays and Fridays, it's dealer's choice, basically. So, that's what we're doing for here on out. Uh, Winner is upon us. Golf is over. Me and my buddy Baker shot a plus 20 in a two-man scrabble with two eagles and a birdie. Now that is some magic. Uh, We both drove the the green on a couple par 4s. Mine was a 280. His was like a 300-yard par 4. So... And we were able to eagle them. And then I was about a half a foot short of making a hole-in-one on 15 at Two Rivers, the golf course in Dakota Dunes. So go check that out. All right. So with uh, golf season no more, the winter upon us, as they would say in Game of the Thrones, winter is coming. That means I don't go outside. That means I'm going to give you plenty of episodes of the podcast. It means I'm going to give you plenty of streams on Twitch. It means, oh, also, this podcast you can find on YouTube now because I have figured out a way to upload this audio to YouTube as well. So now you can listen to it from your desktop on YouTube. All right, no more excuses, people. No, I won't hear any more excuses. Well, you're, you're not here or there or blah, blah, blah. I got my dog barking at me. So she's telling me to wrap it up. All right, boys and girls, thanks for tuning in, as always. Drop that follow. Hit that like button what you know make sure you hit that notifications button whatever you got to do to know when your man mr one guy with a mic drops an episode you get to hear it first sometimes we drop dead air what can i say all right y'all have a great weekend have a great week and we'll see y'all next week and i'm not for sure what next week's topic is, topic will be so follow me on twitter at one guy with a mic thanks